Hello, and welcome to episode 57, 57 of Q&A Quest. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... David McBurney, Family Master, had to overrule him naming this episode Bort. <laughs> Excuse me, my episode is also named Bort. Get out. <laughs> and, um... When, when was the last time? We're, it's been a bit since we recorded, um... Uh, a couple of weeks. It was before uh, the GU last recode thing got to my house. Yes. Through through the magic of when I posted the last episode, it actually seems like, hey, we recorded like last week. But no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that was like may- maybe like around the time Odyssey came out that we recorded. I don't remember. Odyssey, <laughs> Odyssey. I've gotten like another 40 moons in New Donk today. I think it was before Odyssey came out because otherwise I'm sure I would have been playing Odyssey while we were recording. True enough, true enough. Or, well, maybe not. I was trying to trying not to play too much without my son, which I uh, didn't actually play, end up playing too much without my, without my son, which was fun. Good. Either he was watching or playing as the hat, which is a nice little... Cappy. Cappy. Yeah. Now that's his name now, Capathy. And now I un- now I fully understand all those stupid two-player modes I used to make fun of. It's almost like they are for people who don't normally play complex 3D mm. games. Interesting. That can't be so. Anyway, and uh, I've been I've been on a journey of discovery, listening to opinions of what people thought of the game industry as it existed 11 years ago. Oh man, the good old days when. Um, Things were much worse. Yeah, much worse. <laughs> and people were much more convinced that uh, the very existence of casual games was a enemy at the gates that would destroy their way of life. Oh my god, these hellish casual game times we're living in. Like, there was legitimate concern before the Wii even came out that Nintendo would never make a hardcore game again. <sighs> I don't... It's it's bizarre. This casual hell we live in. I'd rather live in some place where uh, hardcore gamers make so much money that they can fleece us with microtransactions. We're gonna. We don't have a question about that, but we can sure discuss that. Yeah, yeah. Um. But hey, there's lots of RPGs coming out and have come out. Yeah. And this is my uh, like. Bi-weekly reminder that you should be purchasing and playing .hackgu last recode. Yeah, and I keep freaking forgetting Pokemon is coming out. Uh, in yeah, I got that on pre-recording. Yeah, I gotta pick that up and <clears throat> finish Moon at some point. Um, you don't actually, because as it turns out, it's mostly an update, so you can just play the new one. Yeah, but I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, I'm getting a copy of Ultra Moon. We can trade Pokemon. Yeah, I'm gonna get it anyway. It seems fun. It's got Team Rocket in it, right? It's got some sort of new team. I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever. It looks cool. Like, no one can surpass Team Skull, so... And also, I haven't checked if the... Uh, I don't I don't think the other uh, Breath of the Wild DLC is out yet, but I sure have the new Amiibos. Yeah, I don't think it's out yet. I feel like I'd have heard a lot of fanfare. If, oh, there's a new Breath of the Wild dungeon out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have three of the four amiibos anyway. I didn't feel like getting the Goron one. That th- this that was the way I justified uh, spending the money in my brain. Well, well, I just won't get one of them, and then it'll be okay. <laughs> I feel like your brain might be diseased in some fashion. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Like, I, I feel like you've really debased that word at this point. <laughs> uh, but hey... Xenoblade Chronicles soon. Yeah, two. Part deux. We've got Demon Gaze 2 dose out. I forgot there was a Demon Gaze 1. I reviewed it. I know you did. I didn't I play it. I talked about it a lot. Yeah, you hated it, I thought. No, I, it was, I had mixed feelings. Okay, no, that was some, that must have been something else. I remember like you playing a dungeon crawler and hating every second oh, that of was, it for like three weeks. That was Elmanage. Okay, it was Almanage that yeah. you were like, oh, I hate every second of this. From Yeah, that was awful. From cradle to grave. But yeah, I'm not going to start Demon Gaze until I at least get much further in Etrian Odyssey. 
I need to pick up uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. None of these are RPGs except for Demon Gaze, the one we don't want to talk about. Etrian Odyssey is. Oh yeah, Etrian Odyssey, Odyssey. Does Sonic Forces count as an RPG since you can create your own character? No. Oh, okay. There's only one Sonic RPG and it's real bad. It's so bad. Guys, how did Bioware make this? Well, um, you know, and um, God, I can't remember the name of the game. The first Sonic for the Wii, you can like gain levels and unlock Sonic new skills. Sonic Secret Ranks? Yes. Pre-release referred to as Sonic Wildfire? That was a... You could you could purchase literally better controls. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that was an interesting game. That game started life as an attempt to port... Uh, it was like, we're going to do Sonic 06 on all three major platforms. Hmm. Oh, hmm. Okay, we'll do this instead. And started the very short-lived Sonic Storybook subseries that consisted of that, Sonic and the Black Knight. And before it came out, I believe Colors was considered a storybook game, but by the time it came out, it was uh, awesome. mainline Sonic. By the time it came out, it was awesome. Well, I mean, it was that too, but I mean, it was also yeah. ma- a mainline game, which I, is why our generations referenced it. In fact, I would consider it, in my opinion, the best 3D Sonic. Oh, so wow. far. And honestly, despite the reviews you see out there, I'm putting forces up there. Under, yeah, no, forces is good. under generations and colors, but definitely up there. Still a darn good game. Uh, Plus, you can wear a hat that just says gamer. On yeah. It. Smooth as heck engine. Absurd soundtrack that I, it's I a really weird soundtrack. It seems rather yeah. divisive, but it's whatever you think of it. It's clear a lot of time was spent on it. It's a very different soundtrack. Yeah, uh, it's got an absurd story, Just which is kind of hilarious. Like off the walls. Yeah, but it's just good fun. Like probably finish it in like five hours time it's a good nice little but good romp on the bright side that also means that they didn't pad it out with things like werehog yeah oh god werehog it, you know it's not to not to diverge too much into non-rpg stuff but it always seems like so we haven't already it always seems like uh complaints in one sonic game of like things that shouldn't be in there are complaints in a forthcoming game that they complain that like uh, it's not doing enough different yeah. oh this this game has too much padding oh this game is too short what one do you want it's a uh, game it's a game about a super fast hedgehog that that rockets through levels my god but uh, yeah, no, I, I would still, uh, I am, I am the correct kind of nostalgic. But I would also not say no to them making a Sonic Adventure throwback. But they'll never do it. Ugh. Yeah, it's me. I'm that guy. Trust me, and we will escape from the city. Well, wasn't Sonic 06 basically Sonic Adventure 3? Well, no, I didn't say Sonic Adventure 3. I said a Sonic Adventure oh, throwback. Oh, I see. I see. But beyond that, also, no. <laughs> because for you see, it has a very different... Uh, it has one key difference. It's not finished at all. <laughs> uh, well, well... Sonic Adventure like, 2 doesn't seem super finished either. Nah, Sonic Adventure 2 is done. It's not as good as Sonic Adventure 1, but it's done. Like, the thing about Sonic 06 is that even if it was finished, it still wouldn't be good. It would just be better than it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's just enough bad ideas in it that aren't really fixable without completely rearranging the game. Good times. Anyway, let's, uh, before we go any further, let's jump right into RPG talk. Um, courtesy of our good friend Budai. Huh. How important do you feel it is for RPGs to end with a surreal epic battle? Rather than just fighting the villain you have been chasing, the battle must take place in a 
floating outer space and the boss mutates into something completely deranged. Any general thoughts on this? I kind of hate it. <laughs> there. <laughs> but one-winged angel and repeated meteors destroying the solar so, system. So allow me to allow me to point that out. Like that boss fight is good because at the end you still get like one last possibly literal, possibly metaphorical confrontation that finishes up Cloud's character arc. But if it didn't have that last bit where like Cloud is facing down like possibly literally, possibly metaphorically facing down Sephiroth, it would not like actually finish a character arc. It would just be ridiculous. <laughs> There's nothing there's nothing ridiculous in Final Fantasy VII. That game is unimpeachable. Oh, I would agree it's unimpeachable, but it's also ridiculous. That's what makes it good. What? I was being sarcastic. No. The fact that it's silly is what makes it good, man. All right. All right. You, you want to have this? Do you, you want to have it out like this? No, no, no. We can do this. Audience, let, let us know if you want us to have it out over this. <sighs> Uh, so the short answer is no, absolutely not. No, no, you don't need absolute absurdity. I'm I'm just curious what position you were intending to take there. Uh, my position is whatever fits the damn game. Oh, certainly, certainly. It's just that, like, by virtue of being totally non-Euclidean, most games that have a literalist plot don't fit a giant, like, weird space oh, void. Oh, in for sure, for sure. Like, I, I think that it's it's often, like, something that's just done in an almost atavistic fashion, where you just sort of go back and it's like, well, it's what was done, this is how an RPG is constructed. Yeah, I mean, and then probably a lot of that stems from Final Fantasy, because they kind of did that for a while. Yeah, I mean, like, Off they did nine. that so much that, like, the, why does why do you fight Necron at the end of FF9? Like, Sakaguchi admitted it was just, that's what Final Fantasy was. Like, that's, they were doing a throwback to old Final Fantasy, and that's what old Final Fantasy was. Final Fantasy VIII, um, well, compressed time, so honestly, anything like Final seems Fantasy less VIII, insane at that point. Like, Final Fantasy VIII's plot goes completely nuts around the end of Disc 2 and never recovers. Like, one, like because at the end of Disc 2, you get done with the idea plot, and I'm just like, oh, Ultima Sia was there the entire time, and now and now we're going with this plot, I guess. And, like I said, never really recovers. Yeah. Uh, like, that's almost true of all of them. Like, like, this is a thing that has been on my mind since I saw people being like, oh yeah, FF15's real good, until like the last, like the latter like the last two chapters where it doesn't make any sense and I don't understand what's going on and it's like that's uh that's true of literally every Final Fantasy game. <laughs> Pretty like, much. Like literally every single one. And it's just a question of how late into the game it becomes incomprehensible. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy 1 you have the time loop that the entire game rests on makes no sense at all. Final Fantasy 2 uh, you it's mostly sane except for the part right at the end where you kill the Emperor and he comes right back having immediately taken over Hell. Final Fantasy 3 has essentially everything to do with like Zand and whatever and Cloud of Darkness like all like once Zand is gone and Cloud of Darkness comes in it's terrible and it makes no sense. Final Fantasy 4 like like, around the time you get to the moon, things start getting, like, weird, but, like, it, it makes sense for Final Fantasy IV, and then, like, Zemus and Zeromus happens, and it's just like, why? Why? Final Fantasy V, probably around, like, the point where the final boss revives from a splinter. Uh, final Fantasy VI, like, the entire world of Ruin is, like, as interesting as it is, it's poorly implemented enough to be very nonsensical in many ways. What? Yeah, I'm here to say. Um, I totally disagree. It's just not... There's not enough cart space to bring the idea off as well as they want to. Uh, seven the, goes... The, the final boss makes perfect sense. The final boss makes sense. 
Like the thing about like the like Kefka at the very least is not re a replacement for a prior force. Like he leaves at the like he replaces someone at the proper time and the plot generally makes sense. But like it's also one of those things where like they get away with it on the back of him being the Joker. Sure, it's also that he I'm, he's basically in control of the source of all magic. No, no, I mean in the sense that like part of the part of the sleight of hand they pull with Kefka is that you don't it, it does not matter why Kefka does anything. Sure. Like he's that kind of villain so they sure. can get away with him being essentially his own completely unknowable evil. Like cuz he replay like if the game ended at the at the Fly, floating continent, then he would be doing that. Yeah. Although he would be doing a much more foreshadowed version of that. But because the game has the world of ruin, it's like and the build-up, like there is actual plot there. So like it is a, just a question of how long does it take for this plot to get to require you to just sort of accept that this happened. <laughs> and so like with Kafka, it's like they pull the sleight of hand of he's like the Joker. You don't you accept that he happens before he has done anything. Hmm. With seven, like it gets real confusing. Like seven's one of those things where it doesn't completely fall apart until like the last, like literally the actual ending is where it stops. It ceases to make sense, but it kind of does so deliberately. Because like the actual ending is the part where like something happens, and maybe the entire Earth is destroyed, and five hundred years later there's red thirteens. And but then all the sequels. Yeah, the sequels. Although, if you listen to, I think it was Nojima that personally believes that the happy ending of FF Seven is that those sequels don't successfully keep humanity from dying out. Mm. I think it was Nojima that said personally his belief in the happy ending of FF Seven is that humans are gone, and five hundred years later there's just roving red thirteens across the landscape. <laughs> This is one of the, like, three million reasons to not pay attention to anything that Kazushige Nojima says about Final Fantasy that isn't in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. The other is when I get to FF10 and spoil that one. Uh, <laughs> FF8 we discussed, FF9 we discussed, FF10 I believe I've ranted at length about, but its plot basically stopped making sense. Uh, right around Bavel, I guess, is where it stops being plausible to fit it together in a coherent fashion. Uh, FF11, I don't know anything about. Who knows? Uh, FF12 just degenerates into Star Wars at some stage. Uh, FF13 degenerates around the time that they felt they needed to make two games that supposedly existed to explain what happened at the end of it and didn't do a dang thing to help. Let's not talk about those games. Lightning Returns is a good game if you ignore everything that is happening yes. in the plot. Yes. Uh, FF14, don't know much about its plot, played a little bit of it. I'm not a huge fan of MMOs. And FF15 goes pretty much completely insane near the end as well. So, you know. Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like I, I, I kind of bristle any time I see someone say like this new Final Fantasy games plot doesn't make any sense and it's like yeah that's all of them yeah. where you could be you talking been? about any game where have you been <laughs> where have you been for the past thirty years oh no <laughs> yeah thirty years um but yeah that's that's just what Final Fantasy games sort of do and like that's what a lot of RPGs do, and, like, the reason people keep coming back to them is that, like, yeah, it doesn't make literal sense, but it had characters I connected with, or themes I found engaging. Or badass giant swords. Or both. Or both. Like, all of them have big giant swords when they get enough pixels to scrape together to render giant swords. Let's just talk about FF7 snowboarding for your cell phone. Uh, it's, does that still exist? Uh, it was it was for real old cell phones, so probably not. <laughs> oh, good uh, times, good times. I don't really think that was good. Were good times? Oh no, wait. Let's talk about FF Seven Dirge of Cerberus Lost Chapter, which was a Dirge of Cerberus like expansion made only for flip phones. No. <laughs> you love it. 
Uh, Your no. personal favorite video game. What were we talking about? Giant space fleet bosses? I don't know. We were talking about Budai's next bosses question. Bosses that come out of nowhere and just fight in space? We were talking about Budai's I next... I wanted to talk about one more because it's real good. Alright, alright, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Wild Arms 2 has a completely like crazy ending where you fight a sentient dimension, so it makes sense that nothing makes sense about the physical place you're fighting it in. What? That's the, that's the villain of Wild Arms 2. It's a sentient dimension that is attempting to eat yours. That's terrifying. It's really good. It's that's completely a ter- insane. That's a terrifying concept. <laughs> it's really insane. I love it. Wild Arms that's... 2 is not good, but I love it. That's, like, seriously fucked up. <laughs> Wild Arms 2 is a weird game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can see that. Whereas, yeah. whereas Wild Arms 1 was less weird. <laughs> so, huh. Hmm. Wild Arms 1 is really good. Love that game. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'd say it's really good, but I have a lot of fondness for it. Yeah. It's fun sometimes. Let's go with that. <laughs> All right. Anyway. It's, it's remake does nothing to improve upon it. Um, the less said about the remake, the better. Remember when they announced the remake and they called it Alter Code F, and they call, but they also announced Wild Arms Four at the same time. But before they were calling it Wild Arms Four, they called it Wild Arms Another Code F. That's terrible. That was incredibly confusing. Oh, what's confusing about that? It's another code F. Which means um, it um, could be anything. Could even be a boat. Oh, no. We're not doing this. (laughs) Alright, anyway. Budai's next question is, and because I'm lazy, I'll ask the same question I asked in a different podcast thread. If you got to choose the composers for your dream RPG... OST, who would they be? Would you assign certain ones to certain types of track? I.e. one does battle themes, another town themes, etc. Pick at least two, but no more than four. Who is this from again? Budai. Huh, I thought that was from someone else. Uh, it could be. I thought that was a strawberry egg's question. Maybe I'm misremembering. Well, I'm going to look it up right now. Make sure I'm not being terrible. Meanwhile, I'm just going to say these are just two musicians that I want more music from. Hideki Naganuma and Yoko Shimomura. Their styles don't even remotely mix. I don't care. (laughs) I'm actually going to have to look up some names for mine. Oh, no, you're right. It was from Strawberry Eggs, so that's my bad. I win. But yeah, in any case, uh, like it is, it is. I am of a grand belief and opinion that uh, that Hideki Naganuma has one of the most excellent and recognizable styles, and he, I don't think, has ever composed an RPG. Mm. He composed the soundtrack for Jet Set Radio and Sonic Rush on the DS. Interesting. He's a he is a big fan of using samples. And has a really good ear for, uh, you know, in in you know making music that is very good and very sample based, and would be very atypical for an RPG. I think you would need to make a setting that fit this style, but I also think that it would be a really interesting style to hear in an RPG. So I would go with uh, Kohei Tanaka, who is did Resonance of Fate. Ah. Uh... Also, uh, the Gravity Rush games. Oh yeah, those are good soundtracks. Sakura I don't War like the games. games, but they're good soundtracks. Uh, okay. Uh, did some One Piece, um, Alundra, and some other Oh man, good stuff. I love Alundra. Let me talk about Alundra for a bit. Uh, and for a second choice, uh, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Oh god. The composer from Legend of Legacy, Masahashi 
Hamazo, Hamazu, Hamazu. How is it spelled? H, H A M A U Z U. Yeah, Hamazu. Yeah, I got. It. There you go. I love that style. I love that style of soundtrack, and I also think those two composers would mix quite well. Yeah, this is this is me just being like, hmm, who do I want more music from? <laughs> That or whoever worked on the Sonic Forces soundtrack. This could be an also, do you soundtrack. do you want me to just? Can I just ramble about Alundra for a bit? Yeah. Do you ever play Alundra? Of course. <laughs> what a depressing game. Yeah. Like just like I was not prepared for that in my Zelda knockoffs when I picked that up in the late nineties. It's just like oh, well, nothing good happened at all, did it? Well, I was like, oh, this this finally a sequel to the lighthearted classic. Um, Oh god, why am I blanking on Thank you, Landstalker. Like it definitely looks Landstalker-ish, but with a better camera angle. Yeah. And then you play it, and it's just like, oh, oh, everyone, okay. everyone died. Well then, that's you know, that's you know, bad. bad things are afoot when like your adoptive, like your your weird like guy that it, he takes you in when you shipwreck, and he's like, yeah, yeah, someone died, and I only really get inspired to make weapons when someone dies and you're like, hmm, I have a lot of weapons. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, that's what happens a lot. It's real bad. Not, yep. Like, Alundra does not successfully help a lot of people. No. Also, brief aside, Sonic Forces has forced composers. Wow. Yep. But uh, the other thing I was going to say about that is also Alundra 2 is terrible. I haven't played it because it looks real terrible. Bad. Yeah. It's, it's real bad. It doesn't It doesn't have the mood or the look or the well-designed gameplay. It's bad. That's a shame. But I got it for 70 cents and still felt ripped off. So, you know, that's fun. <sighs> but yeah, I, I can't think of like people that would actually fit together like music-wise. I, I feel like everyone listening to this knows who knows who Yoko Shimomura is. If you don't, uh, you've almost definitely heard something she's composed. Uh, like you've heard music from Street Fighter Two, definitely. You've heard music from Super Mario RPG. You've heard music from Kingdom Hearts. She's a really, really good composer. <laughs> Good stuff. Go go listen to those soundtracks. All of them are good, actually. Yep. <laughs> go listen to the FF15 soundtrack. Mm. Oh, one of the one of the Sonic Forces composers used to work for Square Enix. Huh. That's including, funny. Including did composition for FFX2, The Bouncer. <laughs> That makes sense. There's some more techno influence yeah. in both of those. Bahamut Lagoon. Wow, that's a deep cut. Interesting. At least it's not Racing Lagoon. Uh, and also worked on Rhythm Thief. Oh man, that game's real cool. No one remembers it, and it's one of like five 3DS games that is not on the 3DS eShop. Good luck. Yep. See, another composer worked on Skies of Arcadia. Oh, that game's got a real Sonic Adventure. It is 2. never going to be a rainy day, and you need to play that video game. Yeah, actually, only did sound effects for Skies of Arcadia. That's interesting. Hmm. All I'm gonna say is, it's never gonna be a rainy day. I know you're saving that game for a rainy day. And you need to play it. <laughs> It'll get rainy. I'll fight you. Wow. I will fight you. <laughs> uh, let's let's take a break before the next question, or I'll okay. die. Yes. We will. We will be back when I have decided that I do not need to take Wheel's life in honorable combat. <laughs> Please enjoy this selection from the Sonic Forces soundtrack.
And we're back with more fantastic questions. Yeah. About Rowlet. Really? Yes. Uh, or about dot .hack. Oh, that's also good. Uh, this is from Budai. Considering dot .hack, I had never played any of these games before. I started this game feeling the combat was a little too simplistic, but I completed Volume 1 and absolutely loved the cast. I'm taking a small break before going into the rest of the games. Um... I'm assuming he means volume one of GU. GU? Dot hack grow Question up. Mark? It's probably it's probably GU. That's yeah. the one that just came out and isn't ludicrously expensive, so. Cause who boy. Volumes one through four of Dot Hack, the first oh, series yeah. are Who boy. They like quarantine was expensive when I bought it ten years ago. Yeah. I think I had to Spend $90 on it? Yeah, that's, that's bitter old Uncle Internet. Uh, I'm afraid to see what it is now. That's why I'm doing it. Someone had to. Okay, we got the eBay. $285. Oh. This appears to be for a sealed copy, though. Uh, okay. It's probably not horrible. See top pre-owned best pick one hundred and seventy-four eighty-nine. Okay, it's pretty bad. Pre-owned lowest price one hundred and forty. It's not worth it. <laughs> so you're saying I it... say this as someone who loves the first four games, even though they're all bad. <laughs> so you're saying I'd be happier with the one hundred forty so on dollars I could get for the my copy. I don't. I don't know that I'd go that far. You have it. Smoke it if you got it. But I mean, eventually, maybe pawn it off. Yeah. <laughs> eventually. But uh, uh, was there a question? In here? <laughs> I, I feel like we just wanted an excuse to react to Dot Hack to you. Uh, sounds about right. Cause man, pretty good. Is back. It's very pretty. And real pretty. It was always a game with really striking art. Yeah. And it has, you know, it has all, all the shit you remember it for. It's faster now, actually. It's a significantly... Like, I think Haseo's running speed has been doubled. <laughs> he moves a lot faster. Yeah. Um, but GU, as he mentioned, has has a good cast and always had a better grasp on how to sort of intermingle that cast. Because, like, in GU, there's a much more conscious attempt to delineate who is, like, someone that understands the stupid metaplot that's going on and people who are just like, I'm playing an MMO and my friend is weird. <laughs> and so, like, you get the handful of... You get, like, some people that are in the, I'm playing an MMO and my friend is weird. And, like, those people, like, they get they have progressively less fun with the MMO as it starts to fall apart at the, at the seams as the meta plot goes on. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, like it's good though because it gives Haseo, who is just a total dirtbag at the beginning, an excuse to like mature and like you can see his improvement as a person based on how he treats them. A lot of that, that era, a lot of Yuri Lowenthal being pl- starting as a playing a character who starts out as a complete dirtbag. Pretty pretty much. I was also thinking of uh, one Luke von Fabra. Oh yes, yes, that is a fantastic example of that actually. Although that has much better reasons for it too. Like, the reasons for Haseo make perfect sense if you remember that teenagers are dirtbags, but... <laughs> sure, this is, that's actually a fantastic point. It's like, like part of the reason that, like, I remember reading pre-release interviews about .hackGU and people were immediately asking, what does GU stand for? And they're like, well, in the game it stands for a lot of things, but the important one is grow up. <laughs> And so, like, we, we wanted to tell a story that was about this character growing up. And it's, like, not in the sense of, like, it's taking place over his entire childhood, but in the sense that it's, like, a teenager who has to actually grow up and be a better person. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it does a good job. It takes that concept and it runs with it. like, And it uses that over the course of three games, because at the end of the first game, 
He's less he's less of a dirtbag, but he's still kind of a dick. Yeah. And then by the end of the second game and into the third game, he becomes like less overtly hostile and like more like accepting of like both the the other people in the actual world and the other people in the world the game. So it's good. It's a good character arc. It's a real well done character arc. Mm. And I'm very excited to see what's happening in Volume 4, Reconnection. But first I have to play through the first three volumes again. Because I'm a psychopath who's doing all the side quests again and maxing out all the Ryu books again. <laughs> and I'm going to die. No, the Ryu books are the books of 1000. I think they were called Ryu books in the first four games. But they serve similar purposes. Except that in the first four games you could not email your... Uh, you could not email... Uh, other characters of your own volition, you had to wait for them to email you, whereas in this game the re the Books of 1000 will occasionally spit out greeting cards that allow you to force conversation chains, and they're fun. A lot of them are things like, why on earth did you send me this? <laughs> but they get you fun, fun stuff, like there's a character in one of the games that like you can send them a challenge, but the challenge is really ambiguous so all of them have a different, like Hmm, what should this challenge be? So one of them like challenges you on like literary trivia. <laughs> That's really good. <sighs> I I like dot hack. It's good. Good times. Good times. Uh, also the animes. Surprisingly good as well. Yeah. Dot hex sign the best. It's a good it's a good, very, very introspective anime. Uh yes. Really introspective. <laughs> a lot of people just sort of sitting around thinking about the nature of how people interact with video games. Be prepared for like like shirtless barbarian dude like his player is going to sit around and he's going to ruminate yes. about what what kind of what kind of person he was that like when he was losing in a game he would reset it what happened to the world he left behind <laughs> got a lot of i got a lot of opinions about that Exxon. it's a very interesting show it is I just want to be playing Great Dot Hex while we're yes. recording. Yeah, no, but then you can't listen to the soundtrack. What if I took out one of my headphones? And <laughs> I'm All having right. this real. Uh, why don't we move on to the next question, and then we'll be closer to being able to play Dot Hex GU. We can live in the GU world. I was not a fan of the partners in time babies and their crying noises. What I disliked the most was not the brutally hard final boss. The epic music helped make up for how nightmarish that fight was. It was it was a fight the flying saucers mini game that could and did give a game over if the player failed. Overall, I can understand the case for either Partners in Time or Sticker Star as the worst Mario RPG, but both games were still pretty fun. And that's from Victor. Yeah. But you didn't like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah, one of those games, yes, was pretty fun. The other um, had Mario Babies in it. <laughs> Gonna go to ground to this in every <laughs> single subsequent episode. <laughs> every single one. This wasn't even a question. You just wanted to get angry. <laughs> that game really pissed me off. I, don't I noticed. I don't you. like it either. Uh, why did this happen? I don't know. What a what a game. Either of us pick up uh, Superstar Saga freaking what's the second half of that? Uh, and Bowser's Minions. Yes. Uh, wow. I did. Have I played it? No, I have not. Because back it's a good on. game. You can turn Luigi into a surfboard. Uh, and I want to finish um, uh, Paper Jam first before I play it. So, in other words, yeah. uh, it's going to be a while. Maybe a few years? Yeah. <laughs> right, what else we got here? Uh, and this, this 
last one is from Budai. How important do you think creepiness and horror is to the Zelda series? Certain titles more than others, or do you think none are scary? Uh, like, certainly some of them are uncanny. Uh, Majora's Mask is terrifying. It can be. It's, it's a very uncanny... Like I said, it's a very yeah. uncanny game. Well, you have the happy mask salesman who's constantly coming up to you as saying you've met with a terrible fate. Haven't you? <laughs> Haven't you? Uh, it's just... It's fun. It's totally... It's fine. It's totally fine. Everything is fine. Except not. Screw that guy. Well, you have met with a terrible fate. Um... I don't know how important it is to the series. I mean, I don't necessarily think it was always there. It, the series always had like some darker elements. Uh, some they were emphasized to greater or lesser extents. Yeah, like the kid playing the flute who turns into a statue in Link to the Past, which was just really upsetting. Right very here. upsetting when I was a kid. Yeah, I was. I was like, "What happened? No, what happened? Yeah, could I have stopped that?" No, I couldn't. It's not possible. But it felt really upsetting. Yeah. Which, uh, random aside, watching a children's programming where a character quote-unquote dies, and then uh, they immediately give the tease that, oh, he's not dead. I'm like, well, why did they ruin this whole epic, poignant scene they just made? And then I'm like, oh, right, it's a fucking kid's show. <laughs> because I remember what happened when they did this as a kid and didn't fix it. Yeah. It's I was like, like oh, what okay. did I do? Did I did I do something wrong? But yeah, no, like there's there's a really un upsetting core to like like Majora's Mask has a lot. Of, like, remember that point in Majora's Mask where you like the how much Majora's Mask did you play? All of it. Okay, remember that part of Majora's Mask where you get the Gibdo Mask by like. You sneak into the girl's house. She's, like, trying to hide the horror that's happening. You sneak in, and it's just, like, a horrible, like, half-mummy man trapped in a closet just writhing in agony. Ooh. He's having a bad time. And there's, like, uh, the whole suggestion in the... So the first mask you get, like, the Deku mask. Uh, oh, yeah, you get the bit in the credits that makes it even more... Like, it's suggested, but confirmed by the credits. That it was, uh... Was it like the Deku Butler's son or something yeah, like that? Yeah, the, the Deku Butler, when you talk to him, when you're doing his challenge, he's like, you you look like my son. And like he, he mentions he hasn't seen his son. Yeah. And it's easy to not think too much about it because you look like any Deku to yourself. I mean, you just look like a Deku. Yeah. But you see in the credits that he's like looking at it and being horrified. Yeah, and I mean, you have to realize too that you know, you think of the other two masks, and it's like, oh, they're from... Those were dead people Those were well. dead characters. Ugh. Mask is a really upsetting game in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's fantastic, but... Yeah, like, you, you have to... Yeah. Like, you... Oh, man, I'm remembering... Even the silly plots can have really bad things happen, because, like, everything's built around the idea that you can reverse it, so sometimes you get things that are just really upsetting. Uh, I remember, like, the, the alien invasion plot on Romani Ranch. If you fail and the ghost aliens get in, like, Romani doesn't get taken away, but she wanders around like she's been lobotomized afterwards. <laughs> it's like, oh, this happened to a child? Oh... Uh, choices were made. I'm not sure why. I like the the Gorman brothers. Yeah. Those are all the the, the in, like they made Ingo three people for some reason. Uh. Thinking of and like you like one of them is just like like two of them are bandits and one of them like leads a performance troupe and like you get his mask. And it's just, it cries constantly. So, like, when you're delivering the milk to the milk bar, like, if you wear that mask, they'll see their, like, horribly depressed brother and stop attacking the, the milk shipment. <laughs> Such a weird game. Yeah. I was thinking of how Twilight Princess had some creepy stuff. And, like, the haunted mansion sort of dungeon, too. 
but it's also got like the uh, the skeleton guy that teaches you that is kind of suggested it could be like a past a past hero or perhaps a dead hero from another timeline or something effed up like that. But yeah, it's not as consistently like off as no. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing in the series is. Uh, what else? Um, uh, uh, well, it, it's not necessarily horror, but the end of Twilight Princess is a major gut punch. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. But, uh, yeah, like, what I was going to say was, like, I'm trying to think of, like, other ones that make significant use of true of like unsettling elements. Yeah. Uh, like late in Link's Awakening, once it becomes clear what's going uh-huh. on and things start unraveling, yeah. it's not horror, but it's unsettling. Yeah. Once you realize what's going to happen. Like both once you realize what's going to happen, and once like the dream starts to die. Yeah. And like the characters start acting real weird for <laughs> at certain points. But uh, also, uh, just just anything to do with the graveyard and Shadow Temple in Ocarina of Time can just go away and never come back. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in Ocarina that upset me as a child. I think I've I've ranted about this. Have we ever like ranted about this? Like game enemies that like upset you as a child? I don't think so. Cause I got a, I got a laundry list of these, but like the big ones for me were Wallmasters in in Ocarina of Time specifically. The the, are, the mummies in Ocarina of Time is what really got me, like the weird zombie mummy things, whatever. Oh, you mean are. the the redeads? Yeah, there aren't any Gibdos in Ocarina of Time, as I recall, but there are redeads, and those are really upsetting. Because they they just like slowly shambling around, and then when you get close, so close to them, they yeah, viciously they jump eyes. on you, and it's like, oh god, what? No, well, also, god. well, also they lock eyes and oh, yeah, that scream that causes Link to stop moving. Yeah. But yeah, something about the way Wallmasters move is really upsetting to me, and the way that the game builds up to their existence, it's like you you get into a really twisted room in the form, in the in the forest temple, uh, yeah. and and Navi is just like you should be care- you should be watching the shadows there's something wrong with this room and like you get there and it's like this thing that is lar- like it's just a giant disembodied hand large enough to grab a grown man and it's just like oh that's really upsetting to me and i don't quite i can't rightly place why <laughs> but it really is it's incredibly off putting and like it makes you distrust ceilings for the rest of the game yeah they do come uh, back. They do come back at some point, don't they? Don't they? They show up in a Ganon's few temple? areas. Yeah. Like a, there's a few different areas. Like late dungeons tend to have wallmasters in them. And the other thing uh, that I really don't like in Ocarina of Time is like likes. Yep. Because I'm upset by anything large enough to eat me. <laughs> And you get and like the the texture work there is masterfully unsettl- upsetting. Upsetting. I, I think I'm trying to combine the words upsetting and unsettling. Because like they they have like this weird texture on them that makes them sort of like undulate in an upsetting fashion. <laughs> and it's it's really weird because like when you see them in the two D two D games they look like stacks of pancakes. Yeah. But in the three D ones they're like these weird undulating, like sucking things that like the second that you get anywhere near their range they just like start leaning forward in a really upsetting fashion <laughs> what's also really fun is that uh, if you try to kill them with your hookshot you will find that they are hookshot targets you just get pulled to them <laughs> so that's a good awful surprise the first time oh, oh that's just that's just lovely Uh, maybe a little bit unsettling to me was the whole uh, inside the fish dungeon. 
Oh yeah, Jabba Jabba Boots Bentley. Not that it was super creep or anything, just he uses some of those same awful lifelike textures. Yeah. Hmm. I think we're any other horror in any of the other games, but um, nothing's really sticking out. It's mostly Majora's like, Mask. Yeah, and like the, the most of the rest don't lean too much into horror beyond a brief section. And like you'll notice that some of the enemies I've been complaining about have basically been retired. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the last game that like the closest thing to a Wallmaster that they've had since Wind Waker is the hand right near the end of Twilight Princess, and even that's not really the same thing. And like-likes haven't appeared in a 3D game since the N64. So none in Breath of the Wild? None. Breath of the Wild has a pretty small monster list. It does. I don't think it's a really a problem, but it is like a thing to note. Like, there's yeah. not actually a lot in there. They just... Scatter them about in different ways that makes them continue to be interesting. And they are smarter than your average Zelda enemy, too. Yeah. They interact with the world the same as you do. I do appreciate the weird attempt that the localization of Zelda games have made to try to explain why like likes are called like likes. <laughs> Like, they, they made up a fake Hillian like proverb. <sighs> okay, it was, uh... Let's see. Oh, yeah, supposedly this name comes from an old, almost indecipherable Hyrulean proverb. Shield eaters and world leaders have many likes alike. Huh. <laughs> And, like, I think there's an actual thing that that's referencing back to in, uh, like, there's an actual, like, Japanese thing that that's referencing back to in Japan, but, like, that's what they localized that as. <laughs> oh, yeah, Majora's Mask also sort of implies, like, lakes are technically aquatic in some fashion. Like, they, you only ever find them underwater. Majora's Mask implies a lot of weird things. Yeah. And, it, and it gave the world tingle. Yeah. Who, like, in that circumstance, seemed to exist as, like, Link's equivalent. Yeah. Freaking tingle. How do you, have you... Have you made peace with the tingle with them? No. I have not. I like how later games just imply that tingle is a worse and worse person. <laughs> Like, Wind Waker Tingle, like, one, he's price gouging you. Like, that's bad enough. But, like, also, like, he, he like, enslaved someone. <laughs> like, you go to Tingle Island and talk to the other Tingles there, and one of them's like, I'm, I'm not, I don't even know who this guy is. I washed up here. He dressed me up like him, and now I have to turn this because he won't help me leave. It's just like, oh. So you enslaved a man. How's that working out for you? questions we have. Is it? It is. Wow. For some reason I thought we had another. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, no, there are Zelda that spook me. Any other non-horror games that spook you, Wheels? Non-horror games? Uh, not that I can think of offhand. Or even horror games, really. It's kind of interesting. Like Dead A lot space. of games are supposed to be... A lot of games are supposed to be scary that aren't. <laughs> uh, Dead Space uh, creeps creeps me the hell out. Oh yeah, we discussed this. Yeah. Gotta get that Dead Space. This uh, it's mostly about the atmosphere, not necessarily the creepy monsters, although they certainly help. Spooky monsters. Yes, and it has some lo lovely, very lovely areas where you have to go out on spacewalks, and 
as as accurate as it should be. There is no sound. <laughs> and then your head is ripped off by a flying monster. Yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful. You should play that eventually. I got it free at an Xbox Games with Gold thing. I played it uh, by myself with the lights in my house off. Which was and now you can't really, play horror really, games anymore. Which is really, really <laughs> stupid. Yes, now I will not do that again. That was a terrible idea. Uh, ask me about my time playing RE7 in VR. Duh. That's a, that's a really good way to, like, when you turn your head and see something from the corner of your eye that you only, and, like, you have to turn it again and, like, oh, no. That's, that's a that's a bad scene. Ugh. It's a real good game, but like, I got nothing bad to say about RE7. It's really real good. You should play it. It's real good. Real good. You don't have to play it in VR. No one will think less. Oh, good, because I will not play it in VR. <laughs> Screw that. You'd die. Well, maybe not, but um, I would be horrified, for sure. But yeah, no, RE7's a real good game. I recommend it. Oh, I need to play it. Don't so play it in front of children. Oh, no. Absolutely do not play it in front of children. Obviously not. That would be another excuse to not play it. <laughs> No, I'm pretty good about that. The only the only bad thing that happened was when I, the kids finished their bath quicker than I thought they were going to and came down and watched me playing Horizon Zero Dawn. That's, as, as those things go, about as tame as you could have hoped for, but yeah. still bad. And was at least fighting a metal monster and not uh, killing other humans, which you do do in that game. Yeah, like, as long as you're fighting a robot dinosaur, that's basically what they watch on TV yeah. anyway. But, yeah. Definitely a little more intense than they were used to, though. Yeah, a little, little more intense than you would want them to see on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, but, um... Anyway, uh, send us questions in the usual manner. You can send them on the forums uh, for this episode. Uh, you can send questions to me on Twitter. I'm at AskWheels. And um, no one has sent me email questions in like a blue moon, so I'm not going to bother with that. You can, if you want to break the trend, the wheels at RP Gamer. Yep. So, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Or whatever, I don't know. Play GU. Oh, please, please. Purchase.hackGU last recode. Yes. It's an excellent value. All three games are good. All three of them are quite long. Uh, well, I suppose there's probably also a fourth game. I don't know how long it is. I don't know how good it is, but even if it were garbage, it would still be... Like, you'd still have three great games that form a compelling overall story arc. It's true. Oh, it's true. Oh, it's damn true. Oh, we're wrestling again, isn't it, aren't we? <laughs> Alright, anyway, that's all, folks. And <laughs> enjoy some more music from Sonic Forces. Alternatively, the end of a Merry Melodies cartoon. <laughs> Peace. See ya.